Hello, good morning. This is Rick Pina, and I'm bringing you today's word for January 4th, 2023. I'm teaching a series this new year on the miracles of Jesus. I'm starting today on the miracles of Jesus. Today, we're going to cover the very first miracle where Jesus turned water into wine. Now, you may be thinking, well, Jesus turned water into wine. That's not like a big deal. That's that's not a situation where somebody was on their deathbed. That's not a situation where like somebody needed a breakthrough. It was just a wedding. Okay, I got it. But we're going to glean some nuggets from Jesus turning water into wine. It's going to apply to your life today. So I want you to open up your heart and get ready for the word. All right, so here we go. Listen, uh, I will acknowledge the fact that this miracle, when you look at the big scheme of things, you're like, okay, God, you know, you turned water into wine. What, what was that about? But there's levels and levels of revelation in everything uh, in the word of God. So as you spend time with the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit will help you to glean nuggets. This miracle is found in John chapter two, verses one through 11. Let me read for you verse five from the message translation. The Bible says, she went ahead anyway, they're talking about Jesus's mother, telling the servants, whatever he tells you to do, do it. I, I love, I'm going to deal with that later, but whatever, he was like, whatever Jesus tells you to do, I just need you to do it. He said, put that in the chat. Say, I'm going to do whatever Jesus tells me to do. Whatever he tells you to do, you should do it. So let's consider the context of the miracle. Jesus and his disciples were invited to a wedding. And uh, Jesus's mother was there. And so she was friends with the family. And during the wedding event, and it was a, a multi-day feast, during the wedding event, they ran out of wine. Now, th- this seems like a minor issue for us, but in that region, in ancient times, running out of wine at a wedding was a major embarrassment. I know, I don't, I just had a Christmas party at my house and we had a lot of people, but we, we didn't run out of food. And matter of fact, people always take food with them. I don't know. I just have this thing to where I cannot run out of food if I'm hosting something at my house. To me, that would be a big embarrassment. So I understand running out of wine during the wedding feast, during the event would be a major embarrassment. But then again, in the big scheme of things, it's not that not that big of a deal. But Jesus's mother got involved. And so Jesus's mother went to him and said, hey, they ran out of wine. I need you to do something about it. <laughs> and he was like, listen, woman, what do you want me to do? What does this have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. In other words, he was saying, listen, it is not the time for my public ministry yet. It's not that although I have the power to perform miracles, it's not my time to do so yet. There is a timing component to the things of God. But Mary was, was insistent and she wanted him to do. Now, I'm not sure. I don't believe that Mary knew what he was going to do, but she knew he could do something. And so she says, Hey, you know, I want you to do something. Now, Jesus had waited 30 years to start his public ministry. Jesus waited 30 years for a three and a half year ministry. And so he had just been baptized by his cousin. Yeah, there was a little bit of buzz because of the baptism, 
but nothing like a miracle. If, if he performed the miracle, then of course, then people were going to start like, you know, it w- his ministry then would become public. And he had not really started his public ministry yet, but she didn't care. She was like, no, he gonna, you're going to do something. So she went to the servants and says, hey, whatever he tells you to do, I want you to do it. And so Jesus like, okay, fine. And with that, his public ministry started and the countdown clock to the cross started at that moment. So Jesus, from from the moment he started this ministry, he was on his way to the cross. So in the area, there were six stone jars there. These were stone jars that were normally used for ceremonial washings by the Jews. And each jar held about 20 or 30 gallons of water. So these are not small jars. I remember in the military, we carried around five gallon jugs. So imagine that, it's six times bigger than that. So 30 gallons, these are not small. And Jesus tells the servants, hey, fill the pots with water. And I love it. The Bible says they filled them to the brim. Say this, whatever God tells me to do, I'm going to do it with all my might. Whatever God tells me to do, I'm going to do it with all my might. He told them to fill them up with water and they filled them, the Bible says, to the brim. Then Jesus says, now go get some pitchers and fill up, get some pitchers from the from the pots and then take them to the host. And, and, and they did. And when they did, they gave it to the host and the host tasted it. But at that point, the water had turned into wine. Now the host didn't know, but the people that were serving him knew that a miracle had just happened. The host didn't know. But when he tasted it, he said, whoa, wait a minute. We're, we're late into the feast now. He says, now normally the way that these, these weddings kind of work and these feasts is that people start with the best wines, the finest wines. And after a while, after people has, have, have had their fill of wine, then you bring out the cheap stuff. But you guys have saved the best for last. I'm going to deal with that later. He says, you guys have saved the best for last. We have a God that saves the best for last. I'll deal with that. I'll deal with that. Then the Bible says, this act, this is verse 11, this act in Cana of Galilee, John says, was the first sign that Jesus gave, a sign. It is the first glimpse of his glory and his, and his disciples believed in him. It was a sign. Now, there are seven signs of Jesus documented in the gospel of John, and this was the first of the seven. So what does this mean for you today? I have a lot. God gave me a lot because this is one of these miracles. I didn't want to deal with this in two days. I could have broke this up into two days. I'm going to try to give you everything right now. You ready? Say, I'm ready. Put it in the chat. Say, I'm ready. All right. I'm going to try to give you six things. Here we go. Number one, God cares about things that many people would think that a God would not care about. We serve a God who cares about things that many people would think that a God would not even care about. So let's talk about this. In the big scheme of things, like I said, this is a wedding. They ran out of wine. So what? It's not like somebody, it's not like where Jesus stopped the funeral procession where this woman had lost her husband. Now she lost her son and he raised them back to life. No, that's not the situation. This is not like Lazarus who had been dead for four days and his body was stinking and rigor mortis had set in. No, that's not that type of situation. This is not like the man that was born blind and he couldn't see. That's not that situation. This is not like the man that was there by the pool of Bethesda who had been lame for 38 years. No, this is not that. This is 
It's just like they ran out of wine. It's not that big of a deal. But but this is the first miracle that Jesus performed, and it was just something that just seems like innocuous to us, like not that big of a deal. But we serve a God, watch this, who cares about us. Put it in the chat, God cares about me. We serve a God who is willing to manifest his glory, even in situations where it doesn't even seem like the supernatural is required. God does this simply because he loves us. So while I teach on the miracles of Jesus, and I'm going to help build up your faith. I, I was talking to somebody yesterday. They said after today's word yesterday, they felt like they could do anything. When I'm in this series, when I'm teaching all the miracles of Jesus, at the end of these stories, I mean, you're going to feel like you could leap a tall building with a single bound. I got it. But I also want you to know that our God will do stuff that doesn't even seem big. Our God cares about things because you care about it. Our, our God cares about things that you think are small things. God even cares about the small things you care about because God loves you. That's how much he loves you. These are acts of his unearned and amazing grace. Say amen to that. Put in the chat. Say, God cares about what I care about. Say amen to that. Number two, Jesus will meet you right where you are. He will never tell you to do something that you cannot do. So in, in this story, once again, what I love is that he didn't ask the servants to do something impossible. He didn't ask the servants, hey, set your faith in agreement with me for this water to turn into wine. He didn't ask the servants to do something that they couldn't do. He didn't ask the servants to do something supernatural. He just said, hey, fill them up. Fill up the water pots with water and they filled them up and they filled them up to the brim. See, God will only ask you to do what you can do. God will only ask you to do what you are already equipped and enabled and empowered to do. The fact that God tells you to do something, watch this. Here's the good news. Whenever God tells me to do something, it is evidence that I can do it. Whenever God tells me to do something, it is evidence that he actually believes that I can do it. So, so maybe sometimes he tells me to do something that I don't think I can do, but the fact that he told me to do it is evidence that I can do it. So what God doesn't want you to do is to bring down your perceive God is not going to come down to your level. God wants you to come up to his level. So when God tells you to do something, the fact his instruction is always equal to his injection. If he told you to do it, then you could do it. If God showed you a glimpse of you running that business, opening up that business, that beauty salon, or doing whatever God called you to do, going to the school, uh, accomplishing X, Y, and Z, then you can do it because God is telling you to do it. And he will never tell you to do something that you cannot do. If he tells you to do he will never instruct you to do something he has not equipped you to do, but whatever he equips you to do, he expects you to do. Say amen to that. Then whatever you do, you should do it with a spirit of excellence. These were six jars, each holding 20 to 30 gallons of water, and they filled them to the brim. When God tells you to do something, here's something that we can glean from this. You should do it with all your might. When God tells you to do something, you should always do what God tells you to do to the best of your abilities. And while you're doing it, where your power ends, God's power can kick, can kick in. And then last thing I'll say about this point, God will meet you at your level of faith and whatever level of faith you're ready for. So because these guys, the servants, they were not ready for the supernatural, then Jesus only asked them to do something natural. Now, if they were ready for the supernatural, then Jesus would have asked them to do something else. So he met them in the text right where they were. And it's, it's the same thing with us. This reminds me while I was going through this of when Peter walked on water. Jesus, Peter was at a different level than the other people in the boat. There was 12 people in the boat. 12 people had spent three years with Jesus. 
only one out of the 12 was willing to get out of the water. So Jesus met Peter right where he was. And so Jesus said to Peter, hey, Peter said, hey, Jesus, if, if, is that you? And if that's you, can you bid me to come onto the water? Can you invite me into the supernatural? And Jesus said, come. And with that, he walked on the word. He walked on that word. He walked on water. He did the supernatural. My point is that Jesus will meet you at your level of faith. Whatever your level of faith is, you have to believe God and walk out in that level of faith. While I'm teaching this series on the miracles, listen, God is going to speak to you about stuff. There's always a word behind my words. There's always a voice behind my voice. And so when I, I'm speaking and I'm teaching, but at the same time, the Holy Spirit is speaking to you. And so he's speaking to you specific things that are tailor-made for you. And as he speaks to you about things, listen, there's going to be some things that you're like, oh my God, can I do that? Yes. If God says it, if God reveals it, then you can do it. Your job is to believe and to step out. Stop debating. I want you to do what Mary said. Whatever he tells you to do, do it. Say amen to that. All right, number three. The supernatural is often manifested in the process of the mundane. The supernatural is often manifested in the process of the mundane. See, I've learned that as you walk with God and God is walking with you, you often receive your breakthrough as you go. Put this in the chat. Say, I will receive my breakthrough as I go. I'm reminded of the healing of the 10 lepers. And, 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 and I'm going to come back to the story of the, the water into wine, but let me just bring up the 10 lepers for a minute. So Jesus tells these 10 lepers, hey, you guys are healed. Go present yourself to the priest. And the Bible says that as they went, they got healed. When did they get healed? As they went. Okay, well, Brother Pena, what does this have to do with the water into wine? Well, we don't know when the water became wine. All we know is that Jesus told them, fill up the water, the, the water pots to the brim. They did. Then Jesus said, get pitchers out. They did. Take the pitcher to the host. They did. And at some point, the Bible is not clear when it happened. At some point, as they went, as they were doing something mundane, as they were doing something normal, as they were doing something regular, as they were doing just something that they could do in their own humanity, the supernatural was released. As they were going, at some point, the Bible doesn't tell us when it happened, at some point, the water turned into wine. So my point is that while you're walking with God and God is walking with you, sometimes you're just doing life. Sometimes you're just going through your calendar. Sometimes you're just going through your routine. Sometimes you're just knocking out your meetings. Sometimes you're just sending your emails. And while you are going, while you're doing what you think is just normal stuff, the supernatural can just manifest and it can happen at any time. And we serve a God who will manifest the supernatural in the mundane. We serve a God who will just, you will wake up one morning and realize that you are blessed. You will wake up one morning and realize, oh my God, how did this happen? It's not like you can... Just like in the text, I can't point to you in the moment in the text where the water turned into wine. And just with me, Rick Pina, I can't tell you all the blessings that God has blessed me with because there's so many. I, I, 
I can't pinpoint. Like I, I can't, like if I go back, oh, I've been walking with God for 28 years. I can't even tell you all the stuff that God has done. I can't even pinpoint the moments because it's just walking in the blessing. It's just the grace life. It's just, I'm walking with God. God is walking with me. I'm just blessed all the time. There's blessing upon blessing upon blessing upon blessing. Listen, are challenges, do they come? Yeah, they come. But even in the middle of the challenges, the blessing always coming. The blessings are always being manifested. My point is that as you go, as you walk with God, as you do your routine, as you do your stuff, the blessing is always there. And it will be, so, you will wake up one morning and realize that you're so blessed that you can't even, you can't even pinpoint all the blessings. Goodness and mercy are following you, tracking you down all the days of your life. Say amen to that. All right, number four. I'm trying to go through this. This is a lot. Number four, in the kingdom of God, authority is derived from submission. In the kingdom of God, your authority will be derived from your submission. Your level of authority comes from your level of submission. This miracle shows us that Jesus was submitted to his earthly mother. He humbled himself to authority. He was God in the flesh. And he humbled himself to his mama. He did what his mama told him to do. Come on now. We, this was God, y'all, in the flesh. And he did what his mama wanted him to do. He yielded to her desire, even though his time had not come yet. This teaches us how much God honors authority. Jesus's authority came from his submission. And so if you want to be a person in authority in the kingdom, you're in the kingdom of God, your level of authority comes from your level of submission. You can be in authority if you're under authority, but if you're not under authority, you can't be in authority. And so the, the level of your submission gives you the level of your, of your power. And so Jesus said, this is basically what Jesus did. He says, listen, I have a level of authority. Why? Because I only do what my father tells me to do. I only say what my father tells me to say. Jesus said, look, I make decisions and my decisions are perfect. My decisions are just because I'm not the one making the decisions. The reason why my decisions are always great, my decisions are always spot on, my, my decisions are always perfect is because I'm not the one who is deciding. I'm submitted to the father in all things. He said, I didn't come down here to do what I want. I came down here to do what he wants. He says, listen, I'm only doing what the father leads me to do because he was submitted to the father, because he was submitted to his mama, that he operated with a level of authority. If you want to be a man or woman of God who operates with divine authority in the kingdom of God, you got to be submitted. You cannot have authority without submission in the kingdom and the church said amen. You got it? All right, number five. Number five, faith interrupts timelines. We serve a God who sets up a system where, say this, say this, say my faith can interrupt timelines. We serve a God who can shift timelines around with faith. Let's talk about it. Jesus had a timeline. Jesus was like, hey, mama, um, it's not my time. There's a timeline for my ministry, for my public ministry, and this is not the right timeline. But her faith interrupted the timeline. It, it, he was not supposed to, to, to minister uh, on, on this particular level until a certain time, but she wanted him to get involved. She released our faith. She told, she told the servant, do whatever he tells you to do. And so her faith interrupted the timeline. It also reminds me of Jesus. When Jesus came to the earth, he made it clear that he was only on the earth to minister to Jews. He told non-Jews, listen, it's not that you guys are bad or anything. It's just that this is the timeline. And the timeline is, I'm not supposed to minister to y'all 
I'm supposed to minister to the Jews. And after my death, burial, and resurrection, others will come who will minister to the Gentiles. I'm not here to minister to the Gentiles. But there were two people who released their faith. Matter of fact, these are the only two people that Jesus said, wow, I haven't found this kind of faith, not even in Israel. And these two people were not Jews. And, and these two people interrupted timelines. One was a Roman centurion and the other was a Syrophoenician woman. The, the Roman centurion, he released his faith for a servant to be healed. Jesus was blown away that this man would believe in a God. He was like, basically, Mr. Jesus, I believe, I perceive that you have authority over sickness. And, and I know how authority works. Authority is derived from submission because I am a man under authority. Ha <laughs> ha then I'm in authority because I, I have to do what my leaders tell me to do. Then, then whoever's under my authority has to do whatever I say. I tell people go, they have to go. I tell people do, they have to do. And so whatever's under my authority is subject to my words. I don't have authority over sickness. If I did, I could just speak to the sickness, but I perceive that you have authority over sickness, Mr. Jesus. So I don't need you to go. I just need you to say, Jesus is like, oh my God, I haven't found this kind of faith, not even in Israel. I'm not even supposed to be ministering to you, Mr. Roman, but I'm going to do it anyway because of your faith. His faith interrupted a timeline. The Syrophoenician woman comes to Jesus, says, I need you to heal my daughter. He says, nope, I'm not here for you. This is not the right time. She said, but I'm going to release my faith. He says, no, this is not the right time. She says, I'm going to release my faith. She says, Jesus said, no, matter of fact, you're, I, it's not right. It's not right for me to take the children's bread and give it to a dog. He called this woman a dog. She said, nope, I'm not going to get caught up in my feelings. I'm not going to get emotional. I'm not going to let you offend me, Mr. Jesus. Listen, even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the king's table. I need you to heal my daughter. Jesus like, my God, this woman, her faith interrupted a timeline. Jesus healed the woman's daughter. Why? Because she released her faith even when it wasn't the right time. I'm talking about a God. Watch this. Let me make this point for you. Look at me. I want you to get this down in your heart. There are certain timelines. Your faith, God will sometimes honor your faith to the point where he will shift schedules. He will rearrange timelines. He can change a calendar and he can do it just for you. Say amen to that. I'm talking about a God who can do anything. And then lastly, number six, my God, this is good. Number six, last point for today. Our God is a God of progression and not regression. The, the last point I will make from this story is that when the man got the wine that had been turned into wine from water and he drank it, he said, wait a minute. The way that feasts normally work is they bring out the good stuff first. And, and then when everybody has had their full, they bring out cheap stuff. But you guys have saved the best for last. We serve a God who is saving the best for last for you. We serve a God who says that you should despise not small beginnings because your latter shall be greater than your former. We serve a God who is always increasing. We serve a God who is always progressing. We serve a God that where, where, with me, I say it all the time, I go anywhere but backwards. With me, it's forward ever, backward never, the best is yet to come. We serve a God who's saving your best for last. Put that in the chat. Say, say, God is saving my best for last. Put it in the chat. My latter shall be greater than my former. I want you to believe in a God of progression and not regression. I want you to believe that, that your progress will have no limits. I, I want you to believe that, that God is taking you 
to, to another level and stage and dimension. I'm talking about God that is ever increasing in your life, that God is causing you to increase, you and your family. I'm talking about increase, promotion, advancement, acceleration, favor in every area, every aspect of your life, that it's forward ever, backward never, it's increasing, it's, it's, it's going up and not down. It's going forward and not backward. With God, the best is yet to come. That's why I tell you every day to say, greater is coming for me. Say amen to that. You got it? I'm going to build you up. I'm telling you, your faith in this series on the miracles, your faith is going to be built up to the point where I'm going to give you so much word that, that you when, I, when I'm done with today's word every morning, you're going to feel like glory to God, like you want to high five yourself. That's how it's going to be every day in this series. I'm telling you. I'm, I'm fired up myself. You ready? Let's close it out with a declaration of faith. I want you to speak this over your life. Say this. Say, Father, I thank you for your love and grace. I believe this is a season of refreshing and restoring for me. As I study the miracles of Jesus, my faith is reignited. I learn from Jesus turning water into wine. And I declare that I will do whatever you tell me to do. I know your power can be manifested in my life at any moment. I know you care about things that I care about. I know that even the small things are big to you. So I do all I do with the spirit of excellence, knowing that you will walk with me and grace me to experience your best along the way. I will step out in faith and act on whatever I believe you are telling me to do through your word, through your spirit, through circumstances. And I know that you will manifest your glory in my life as I act out my faith, as I put my faith into action. And as I go, the blessing will be manifested in all I do. And lastly, Father, I know you are a God of progression and not regression. My latter shall be greater than my former. I shall greatly increase. So I boldly declare greater is coming for me. I declare this by faith. In Jesus' name, amen. This is today's word. Please apply it and prosper. If you're not getting these messages, please go to todaysword.org. Click on the big red. You, you want my notes. You get my notes for free. Click on the big red subscribe button. Put in all your email address. You're going to get all my notes in your email inbox every day for free. Listen, I love you. God loves you more. Your latter shall be greater then your former. Do me a favor, two things. Leave me some comments in the chat if this message was a blessing to you. And then number two, share this message right now on your social media, on your timeline, and with your friends. Have an amazing day. I will see you tomorrow morning. If you enjoyed this content and you would like to know more about our ministry or you would like to partner with us in what we're doing in the Caribbean, being a blessing to Haitian children in the Dominican Republic, then please go to ripministries.org. You'll be able to find out more information there. And if you'd like to make a donation, all the donations are tax deductible in the United States. A few months ago, the Lord impressed it upon my heart to set up a coaching and mentorship program. And Isabella and I set that up. And so now we make ourselves available on three different levels for those that want 
access to us and to learn things about maximizing your potential, increasing your personal productivity, and fulfilling your life's purpose. If you're interested in that, go to patreon.com forward slash Rick Pina. And then lastly, the Lord impressed it upon my heart to write several books and journals to help people grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Please go to rickpina.co if you don't have our material, and there's also apparel there as well. Listen, thank you for being a blessing to us. We pray that our ministry will continue to be a blessing to you.